Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 12th. To inject warmth into your voice, relax it physically, then project interest and your concern for others' well-being outward to them. Let your voice rise from the heart, flow smoothly through the vocal cords, never tensely, as if forcing itself through fierce opposition, then outward through your spiritual eye at the point midway between the eyebrows. Now, sound itself is a a foundational reality in all of creation. Think of the Gospel of St. John, the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, a fundamentalist interpretation of the New Testament says that St. John is talking about the Word of God as the Bible itself. He's writing the Bible, but they say that what he meant was this is the Word of God, and then they hold up the Bible in that particular way. Well, it's one way of thinking of it, but it's quite limited. And it is not um, the actual truth as Sanatan Dharma expresses it, um, the way Master and Swamiji interpret the whole book of John, but also that very beginning, is that John had a transcendent understanding of Sanatana Dharma because Christ was a, a true avatar. And in fact, tri- Christ spent 18 years of his life in India studying with the Himalayan masters, which is a whole other story. But the lost years of Jesus have now become almost commonly accepted as the fact that he was in India during those years. So all that I'm saying by that is that the revelation that Jesus himself brought is far bigger and more universal and more unified with with everlasting truth than many of the ways that his followers have now taken it and defined it. And in fact, Yogananda's mission, his, his the purpose of his incarnation, among others, was to teach from the Bible and from the Bhagavad Gita, the major scriptures of East and West, and to show that the original, the original teachings of Krishna, I'm not talking about Hinduism, the original teachings of Krishna, the original teachings of Jesus, and I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about the revelation of the, of the avatar himself, that it was the same teaching. So according to Sanatana Dharma, when St. John says, in the beginning was the word, He's talking about the Om vibration. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The tradition of Satsanat and Dharma, and interestingly, exceedingly interestingly, this is exactly what physicists or advanced physicists are now saying about the nature of creation. That that matter is only a vibration of energy. And what we think of as the physical world is just energy and vibration. This is exactly what the Vedas have been asserting for thousands of years. In the, in the, 
in the beginning is Sat Chit Anandam, ever existing, ever conscious, ever new bliss, the spirit beyond creation. And then the spirit moved across the water and, and vibration began. In the beginning was the word. Word is sound itself. It's not the words. Word is the sound emanating. And so the, the vibration, spirit vibrates. That's why everything in creation is dual, because it's a movement back and forth, back and forth, away from center, exactly like a pendulum. A pendulum can swing very far in, in one direction, but it always has to go back in the opposite direction before it comes to a point of rest. Every action has an equal and opposite re- reaction before it comes to a point of rest. In the Old Testament, it said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then when we go to Sanat and Dharma, it says sound and light. Those are the first manifestations of spirit. The spirit beyond creation, moving into creation, sound and light are the beginning. In the beginning was the word, the Lord said, let there be light. So when we're, um, let me just think, let me, let me find where I'm, I'm wanting to be with this. Um, so when we ourselves are beginning to speak, and the effect of our voice on, on the world around us is because sound itself is fundamental. This is, what I was, this is what I was starting to say. You know, music has a very different effect on our consciousness and on people than other forms of art do. Because like visual art, we have to perceive it through our physical eyes and then the brain integrates it and then we often get a deep feeling from it because there's a transfer of consciousness and vibrations from the creator to the one who receives it. But music is because we are made of sound, that music affects us very differently. And this is, again, scientifically proven. And, for example, they've done some incredible experiments with people who are in advanced stage of of age-related dementia or Alzheimer's disease who seem completely unable to communicate or connect with the world around them. If music is played from an earlier period in their life, often people who haven't responded or, or made a sound in years will start singing along. Because medically, they've also been able to ascertain that music lodges in a completely different part of the brain. So whereas speech can be um, interrupted and impossible, music might not be. Even song might not be, because once you add melody, the sound becomes different. And on a deeper level, as both the physicists and the sages say, we are sound waves. We are literally the ohm vibration. And every, every sound that we emanate, every sound in creation at all, emanates fundamentally from the ohm and is nearer or farther away from the purity of that sound. And by that I don't just mean, you know, everything that sounds more like Om is inherently more spiritual, but Om is a, a, a closeness to spirit. So when we ourselves use our voices um, to express ourselves, we are either expressing something that is taking energy farther away 
from the truth of our spiritual oneness, or we are expressing something that's drawing us closer to the truth of our spiritual oneness. And there's two reasons why we want to be, uh, we want the sounds that come from us to be drawing close to spirit. We want to first, because whatever vibration channels through us, that's who we are. And if we consistently are an instrument for energy that is pulling us away from our true selves, then that will simply make us unhappy. That's why we don't want to do it. And if we are constantly putting it out into the world, then we are pulling others down with us, which is also not a good idea. It's not good for them, and it's not good karma for us. And one of the most fundamental um, elements that we have for using the power of sound in order to uplift ourselves and others is our voice. And it's not merely the words that we say, although that matters somewhat, but it's the way that we say them. Now think about this instinctively. When a parent is with a small child, or like their own newborn infant or young infant, you know, the parent will talk to the child and often will use words or sing to the child, but sometimes the the parent will just talk gibberish to the child. Oh, you know how mommy loves you. Like this, you know. And just, you don't even, it's not the words, but you're putting, you're using sound to put across all the fullness of your heart that you want your child to know. Why do we do that? Because we know it works, don't we? We know that, that, that through vibration and the quality of that vibration, much that is important to us can be communicated. Now, when would it not be important to be communicating at the highest and purest level? And how, how can it do anything but serve the best of our, um, our, 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 our hopes for our relationships to communicate at the highest and best level? I was talking to a couple once I used to in my life do a degree of couples counseling. And this couple was having a little bit of trouble between them. And what it actually came down to was the woman's voice was soft. The man's hearing was not always ideal, or I should phrase it differently. He wasn't always listening. He had perfectly good hearing, but he wasn't always listening. And when he didn't quite hear what she said, he responded, What? (laughs) And a tremendous amount of the problem between them was not even the word. It was the tone of voice. What? And then she, being oversensitive, would get her feelings hurt. And then all he had done was try to hear what she had said, asking her to repeat it. But all of a sudden they were in a big argument. And the argument started because of the tone of the voice of the word what. Now, of course, one could also say, you could say, excuse me, I didn't quite hear what you said. So what might not have been the best choice of word, but even what said sweetly is quite different than with that tone in your voice. So if you're having difficulty getting people to respect what you say, if you're having difficulty getting people to listen to you, or even understand what you're trying to get across, think not only about the exactitude of your words, but think about the way that you're saying them. And also think about your own desire to be understood. Because if we have a, 
uh, if we have a fear of putting ourselves forward, and I've certainly seen this manifested in a number of people I know, that we want to be heard, but not quite. We're afraid to really put ourselves forward. So we'll sort of say it, but then we'll kind of lose it a little bit and just let it go like that. Or else we'll start really strong, but by the time we finish, we'll sort of lose energy for what we're saying. <laughs> Swamiji, I had a habit of mumbling at a period of time. Swamiji had a great deal of, put a great deal of effort out to get me to speak up. I, and uh, finally he said to me, Swamiji always knew that one of the best ways to reach me was with humor. If he could make something into a good joke, I would both understand it and I would remember it. I was much more likely to remember. So he said to me once, he said, with many people, he said, I would be glad if they mumbled <laughs> because I'm not really that interested in what they say. Now, he wasn't putting other people down. He was making a point to me. He said, but unfortunately, almost all of what you say is interesting to me. So the fact that you mumble is very annoying. <laughs> and of course, I remembered it completely. He complimented me and corrected me in one, one movement, but he was right. Exactly. Like, And why, if I'm going to get someone's attention enough, why do I make them work so hard to understand me? What am I, what am I trying to accomplish? Because that's what's coming out in our voice. So Swamiji here, you know, gives us some real suggestions that we should re- rest in the heart. This is a, a spiritual suggestion he often gives. You know, we should, we should rest in the heart. And what that also means is we should be at peace within our hearts. And when we speak, we should not just speak from the sort of um, frontal lobe of our brain where our ideas are. And again, you listen to people's voices. Sometimes all they're telling you is they're, they're telling you their ideas, and they're very carefully not giving you anything of themselves. And is that who you want to be? So if you recognize that tone in others, and then if you see it in yourself, just ask yourself, you know, what is my goal here? Who am I trying to be? What am I trying to accomplish? And so we don't want to just be caught up in the frontal lobe of our brain just giving people words. And this is where Swami says, let, let your voice emanate from your heart. Let your voice emanate from your deep sense of connection with people. And then in a very relaxed way, just let it come out. Rather than, you know, just being so tight here. Now, of course... We have deep psychological reasons for being so tight in our throat chakra and having our our, our larynx be so tight. But being conscious of the fact that this is what I have been, but this is not what I want to be, will really um, inspire a change of heart. And when we change the heart, by God's grace, then everything else will follow. So it's just a beautiful way when you're talking Actually ask yourself, where is my voice emanating from? Am I just squeezing it out of my throat, or is it a spontaneous rising from my heart? In all these ways, you see, consciousness is very hard to get a grip on. So if we look at all the manifestations of consciousness in our life and begin to sort of start from the outer edge, which is easier to see, and then burrow back to the center, then often we find we can... We can transform the center um, quite powerfully, even by just um, paying attention to these things which seem small in themselves, 
but actually lead us back to the core of our being. So Swami says, To inject warmth into your voice, relax it physically, then project interest and your concern for others' well-being outward to them. Let your voice voice rise from the heart, flow smoothly, smoothly through the vocal cords, never tensely, as if forcing itself through fierce opposition, then outward through your spiritual eye at a point midway between the eyebrows. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.